chapter thirteen of sowing and reaping by francis e w harper this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter thirteen john anderson's saloon the end of these things is death why do you mix that liquor with such care and give it to that child you know he is not going to pay you for it i am making an investment how so why you see that boy's parents are very rich and in course of time he will be one of my customers well john anderson as old a sinner as i am i wouldn't do such a thing for my right hand what's the harm you are one of my best customers did liquor ever harm you yes it does harm me and when i see young men beginning to drink i feel like crying out young man you are in danger don't put your feet in the terrible flood for ten to one you will be swamped well this is the best joke of the season tom carey preaching temperance when do you expect to join the crusade but oh talk is cheap cheap or dear john anderson when i saw you giving liquor to that innocent boy i couldn't help thinking of my poor charlie he was just such a bright child as that with beautiful brown eyes and a fine forehead ah that boy had a mind he was always ahead in his studies but once when he was about twelve years old i let him go on a travelling tour with his uncle he was so agreeable and wide awake his uncle liked to have him for company but it was a dear trip to my poor charlie during this journey they stopped at a hotel and my brother gave him a glass of wine better for my dear boy had he given him a glass of strychnine that one glass awakened within him a dreadful craving it raged like a hungry fire i talked to him his mother pled with him but it was no use liquor was his master and when he couldn't get liquor i've known him to break into his pantry to get our burning fluid to assuage his thirst sometimes he would be sober for several weeks at a time and then our hopes would brighten that charlie would be himself again and then in an hour all our hopes would be dashed to the ground it seemed as if a spell was upon him he married a dear good girl who was as true as steel but all her entreaties for him to give up drinking were like beating the air he drank and drank until he drank himself into the grave by this time two or three loungers had gathered around john anderson and thomas gary and one of them said mr gary you have had sad experience why don't you give up drinking yourself give it up because i can't to-day i would give one half of my farm if i could pass by this saloon and not feel that i wanted to come in no i feel that i am a slave there was a time when i could have broken my chain but it is too late now and i say young men take warning by me and don't make slaves and fools of yourselves now tom carey said john anderson it is time for you to dry up we have had enough of this foolishness if you can't govern yourself the more's the pity for you 
just then the newsboy came along crying evening mail all about the dreadful murder john coots and james lorraine last edition buy a paper sir here's your last edition all bout the dreadful murder john coots said several voices all at once why he's been here a half dozen times to-day i've drank with him said one at that bar twice since noon he had a strange look out of his eyes and i heard him mutter something to himself yes said another i heard him say he was going to kill somebody one or the other's got to die what does the paper say love jealousy and murder the old story said anderson looking somewhat relieved a woman's at the bottom of it and liquor said tom carey is at the top of it i wish you would keep a civil tongue in your head said anderson scowling at carey oh never mind tom will have his say he's got a knack of speaking out in meeting and a very disagreeable knack it is oh never mind about tom read about the murder and tend to tom some other time eagerly and excitedly they read the dreadful news a woman frail and vicious was at the bottom a woman that neither of those men would have married as a gracious gift was the guilty cause of one murder and when the law would take its course two deaths would lie at her door oh the folly of some men who instead of striving to make home a thing of beauty strength and grace wander into forbidden pastures and reap for themselves harvests of misery and disgrace and all for what because of the allurements of some idle vain and sinful woman who has armed herself against the peace the purity and the progress of the fireside such women are the dry rot in the social fabric they dig in the dark beneath the foundation stones of the home young men enter their houses and over the mirror of their lives comes the shadow of pollution companionship with them unprepares them for the pure simple joys of a happy and virtuous home a place which should be the best school for the affections one of the fairest spots on earth and one of the brightest types of heaven such a home as this may exist without wealth luxury or display but it cannot exist without the essential elements of purity love and truth the story was read and then came the various comments oh it was dreadful said one mr lorraine belongs to one of the first families in the town and what a cut it will be to them not simply that he has been murdered but murdered where he was in the house of lizzie wilson i knew her before she left husband and took to evil courses oh what a pity i expect it will almost kill his wife poor thing i pity her from the bottom of my heart why what's the matter harry richards you look as white as a sheet and you are all of a tremor i've just come from the coroner's inquest had to be one of the witnesses i'm afraid it will go hard with coots why what was the verdict of the jury they brought in a verdict of death by killing at the hands of john coots were you present at the murder yes how did it happen why you see john had been spending his money very freely on lizzie wilson and he took it into his head because lorraine had made her some costly presents that she had treated him rather coolly and wanted to ship him and so he got dreadfully put out with lorraine and made some bitter threats against him but i don't believe he would have done the deed if he had been sober but he's been on a spree for several days and he was half crazy when he did it oh it was heart-rending to see lorraine's wife when they brought him home a corpse she gave an awful shriek and fell to the floor stiff as a poker and his poor little children it made my heart bleed to look at them and his poor old mother i'm afraid it will be the death of her 
in a large city with its varied interests one event rapidly chases the other lifeboats are stranded on the shores of time pitiful wrecks of humanity are dashed amid the rocks and reefs of existence old faces disappear and new ones take their places and the stream of life ever hurries on to empty where death's waters meet at the next sitting of the court john coots was arraigned tried and convicted of murder in the first degree his lawyer tried to bring in a plea of emotional insanity but failed if insane he was insane through the influence of strong drink it was proven that he had made fierce threats against the life of lorraine and the liquor in which he had so freely indulged had served to fire his brain and nerve his hand to carry out his wicked intent and so the jury brought in its verdict and he was sentenced to be executed which sentence was duly performed and that closed another act of the sad drama intemperance and sensuality had clasped hands together and beneath their cruel fostering the gallows had borne its dreadful fruit of death the light of one home had been quenched in gloom and guilt a husband had broken over the barriers that god placed around the path of marital love and his son had gone down at midday the sun which should have gilded the horizon of life and lent it additional charms had gone down in darkness yes set behind the shadow of a thousand clouds innocent and unoffending childhood was robbed of a father's care and a once happy wife and joyful mother sat down in her widow's weeds with the mantle of a gloomier sorrow around her heart and all for what oh who will justify the ways of god to man who will impress upon the mind of youth with its impulsiveness that it is a privilege as well as a duty to present the body to god as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable in his sight that god gives man no law that is not for his best advantage and that the interests of humanity and the laws of purity and self-denial all lie in the same direction and the man who does not take care of his body must fail to take the best care of his soul for the body should be temple for god's holy spirit and the instrument to do his work and we have no right to defile the one or blunt the other and thus render ourselves unfit for the master's service End of chapter thirteen